Hello and welcome back to another episode of Marriage on a Tightrope. This is Alan. And I'm Katie. And we're still married. We have an awesome interview today with Dr. Julie DeAzevedo Hanks. Very excited and we love the conversation with her. The next two episodes are actually going to be with her. This first one is on the topic of communicating with family. And then the next one will be uh, talking all about... Teenagers! Yep, teenagers and kids. kids. Mostly teenage kids. We have a few announcements before we turn it over to that interview. We have a meetup this Saturday, October 12th from 5 to 8 p.m., up in Davis County. It's what's it Syracuse. Is? It's in Syracuse. Mm-hmm. Go to the Facebook page. You can sign up to bring something. Please do. We'd love to see you. You do not have to live in Davis County to come to the Davis County meetup. You're welcome to go up. We had some Davis County crashers and Salt Lake County crashers of our in our, <laughs> in Utah, our County Utah County meetup. So it's only fair to return the favor. Uh, we have another meetup on November 2nd from 5 to 8 p.m. in St. George. That event is also created in our Facebook group, so you're welcome to go there. If and for whatever reason you are not on Facebook, feel free to email us for details on, on any of those events. Okay, And then you were going to announce something. Yeah. Guess what? It is our first out-of-state meetup, and we're super excited. And it's not really surprising that Mesa has come in strong. Austin, you're close behind. Austin's close behind. So, hey, Mesa, we're going to have a meetup, and we are going to do it January 11th at 5 p.m. It's Saturday, January 11th in Mesa. We had someone offer their home, so we'll check up with them and make sure that that's, that's still a go, but we'll be there, and we are super excited to see all of our our Mesa tightropers. We've gotten a few uh, success stories from our mixed faith couple map, Google map that we created that is still on the Facebook group. So you can go there and see it there. Reach out to people. And when you do put your name on that map, put some way of contacting you, whether if if you want it through email, put your email. If you want it there on Facebook, you can put that. Snapchat. Snapchat. (laughs) Link your Tinder profile, whatever you'd like. Oh, Twitter. Did I say Tinder? Whoops. Tinder. Uh, I'm joking. Bad. Uh, so yeah, take advantage of that. We've we've seen a few couples that have met through that through that map, which is really really cool to see. Um, as you know, we've talked a lot about connecting couples. That's been our really big push. Uh, it's it's very much appreciated if you're able to help support us in that cause. You can donate to Marriage on a Tightrope by going to marriageonatightrope.org and click the donate button. That really helps us to put ourselves out there and literally get in a car and drive. And uh, it, it helps a lot with supporting the podcast and, and everything that we're trying to do with it. Okay, guys, this is new. If you don't want to just go online and donate and you're like me, you're a modern day millennial, <laughs> I guess you could say, and you just want a Venmo, we have a Venmo account now. We're so modern. Ooh. It is Marriage on a Tightrope, and it has our picture on it. So if you would like to Venmo us, that is another way to donate. You can donate at Marriage on a Tightrope, and that would be so much appreciated. You know, so much of the time and effort we do, we take and hours and hours we spend on this podcast, we do not get paid for it. It goes right back into the podcast to get us out to see you, to provide content that is applicable for you. So if you would like to help our cause, we would just so appreciate you donating to us uh, either on the web, through the website, or again, through our new Venmo account at Marriage on a Tightrope. And I've always, as always, you can also support us just by shooting us an email, telling us a little bit about yourselves. 
You can um, add us on Facebook or Instagram and join our Facebook group as well. We just had the best email ever. We did have a we've, really fun email. We've superseded the just the LDS religion. Yeah, we had we had a listener that is exiting the Jehovah's Witness uh, religion, and his wife is still in, and we're just now starting back and forth, Sarah. And so that was that was very interesting to to get an email from an ex JW. Yeah, it's so interesting because. A lot of the themes carry over, I think, into other religions and mixed faith marriages. While the syntax can be different, just the themes carry over. And it it was kind of like a, I don't know, for me it was a really cool moment knowing that someone out of a completely different religion was listening to us. That was just like... Whoa! Share the podcast with your non-LDS mixed-faith marriage friends. That's right, that's right. And now we'll uh, turn the time over to Katie and Alan, who are sitting down with Julie Diazavedo-Links. <laughs> Katie, Alan? All right, everyone. Joining us now is Dr. Julie Diazavedo-Hanks. She is a PhD, a licensed social worker, and psychotherapist with 28 years of experience specializing in women's emotional health and relationships. She is an assistant professor of social work at Utah Valley University, and Dr. Hanks is the founder and director of Wasatch Family Therapy, an outpatient therapy clinic in Cottonwood Heights and Bountiful, Utah. I've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. She's the author of The Burnout Cure and The Assertiveness Guide for Women. She's a blogger, a local and national media contributor, an online influencer, a private practice consultant, and an award-winning performing songwriter. A native Californian, Hanks currently serves, in, lives, sorry, not serves, but, well, she does serve. She serves <laughs> everyone in Sandy, but she also lives in Sandy. Um, and, you know, we'll just put a plug in. She, you can find resources, resources for her at drjuliehanks.com um, or connect with at drjuliehanks on social media. So with Her that, number is it a one? Five, five, five. We'll so keep that, Dr. Julie, thank you so much for coming on today, our podcast. We're so oh, happy to pleasure. have you. I'm happy to be here. So, okay, you do a lot. Uh, we, I, I'd like you to start with telling us something you wish you did better because you've accomplished a lot. <laughs> What's something oh, that you need to improve on so we can or, feel better about our own failures? Organizing, organizing a house. Like I'm good at organizing ideas, but I'm not good at organizing things. Ah, okay. all right. So that, nice. that'll be your next book. <laughs> Minimalism with Dr. Right? Julie Hanks. That's right. Well, I'll say I'm a huge fan. Um, I first was introduced to you actually when I was listening to uh, listen, learn, and love with Richard Osler and listen to that two hour interview and was like, Oh my gosh, this person's amazing. And then went on to read your Ted talk. And then most recently your modesty article. I mean, I feel like all of a sudden my, I, my ears perked up to anything that you were in and, <laughs> and I absolutely love everything you've said. So Thank I'm you. like fangirling right now. So, <laughs> yes, thank you. And Julie, on, on my side, and I know that our listeners are like, you guys need to be quiet, let her talk. But on, <laughs> on my side, you know, when I went down the rabbit hole, as they say, and mm-hmm. I was joining a thoughtful faith now as Waters of Mormon and, and ran into your work as, as I was going through that a couple of years ago, uh, I still, even though I, I kind of, we call it graduation or flunked out of, of those circles, 
um, mm -hmm. I still really value your perspective and think that it's a very healthy approach. And I think our, our listeners uh, on both sides of the fence will see that, that it's a very good approach uh, that, that you take and, and we really appreciate your voice. Thank you, thank you. I, I really can see both sides of like, I get why people leave, I totally get it. And I think that's a valid choice and I get why people stay and that's a valid choice. And so I feel like I'm, I can hold both of those perspectives pretty well. Yeah, that's great. Well, we, we asked our, our listeners, we'd let them know that you were coming on and, and we just opened up the, the a Facebook thread for them to say, these are the questions that I would ask. And they really fell under two buckets. And we're going to do, uh, this is the first of two episodes that we'll do uh, addressing the first. And the first would be uh, communicating with family is, is really the first thing that a lot of people come to us with questions on um, and, and we thought that today we would take a little bit of a, of a uh, timeline approach. So you're in a mixed faith marriage. A lot of times your family and friends don't know it. They don't know what's going on. They don't know that one spouse has gone down the history rabbit hole or for a number of years has had issues with LGBT stance or feminist views. And all of a sudden you find yourself where one spouse is completely out but nobody knows. Mm. And there comes a time when we need to talk to my parents. We need to talk to your parents. Yeah. How do you do that? What, what have you found? We'll, we'll just kind of open it up with that topic in general. What have you Great. found with uh, it's time to talk to the family? Simple and direct is the best approach. You don't have to tiptoe around it. I think you can be simple and direct you can just say, you know, Alan has decided to leave the church and is no longer participating. If you have any questions, you can ask him about it. Or ask me about it if, it, if you're talking, Alan. Right. Ask. And really, you don't have to justify, like one of the beauties of being an adult is you do not have to justify your choices to anyone. You okay, can so, just state it. <laughs> yeah, just say it. Yeah. So, so I, I mean, and this is, what literally happened to us is they wanted to know all of the reasons why right mm -hmm. off the bat. Uh -huh. is it they wanted a, to fix it, right? They wanted, to fix, wanted it. to fix it. Is, is that a good idea to go ahead and just jump into that? When is the right time to talk about that? It depends on if you want to go into it. So another great thing about being, being a grown up is you get to control the flow of conversation. You can say, you know, I'm not really interested in having that conversation right now, but I'll let you know when that changes. So in you the go, case, or if you want to, you can right. go into it, right? If you're up for it, but you know what's going to be down that road, right? Lots of quoting of scriptures and, you know, <laughs> quoting yeah. prophets. I mean, it's just usually not productive or helpful. Um, but then there are some family members who really do want to understand. And you can kind of tell who those folks are, uh, where you do want to go deeper because they really do want to understand. They don't just want to defend their point of view. Mm. Yeah. I, yeah. We, we experienced that. We experienced great reactions and, and not so great reactions. And quite honestly, I look back at the conversations we had and I can put it myself and say, I was, I did well in that conversation versus I was not respectful on this other one. I look back and I'm like, I don't know how I would have done it different, but I learned from making that mistake. I learned from saying yeah. things a few different ways that now I wouldn't say it. And so, yeah. Let me ask you this now, <clears throat> when it's time to talk to family, what would you recommend would you recommend, you know, we're going to talk to 
um, one of the two parents, sets of parents, mm-hmm. would you go together? In what situations would it be a one-on-one? Is it more case-by-case basis? Well, I, there's flexibility in everything. But in general, I think to present a united front and say, and kind of express your support and love of the person in front of the parents is really important, right? So to kind of say, this is what's going on in our family. We wanted you to know because we love you. And you're both there. You're both kind of giving this information together. I think that's ideal. But of course, there are situations where it might come up differently Mm -hmm. and where you'd have a one-on-one. But I think in general, both of you together is really helpful. So it's, and you're both getting the same response back. So it's not getting to be triangulated where, well, so-and-so told, you know, Alan told me that Katie did right. it, you know, you don't want to get into that. So if you're both there for the conversation, then you don't get into a triangle with, with anyone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are a lot of parents out there or loved ones who are listening to this podcast and they did hear from their loved one that, that they're going through this. Um, can you give some advice or counsel to them on to how to respectfully respond to, to that sort of, um, yeah, like thing that happens to them? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, something along the lines of this must have been a really difficult decision for you. Thank you so much for trusting me. I love you. I can imagine how some of our listeners are hearing what you just said and their hearts are broken uh, with like, or longing, they're longing to hear that for those that, uh, that have family that they haven't quite talked to <laughs> would this episode be a good one to give to them. And this is the way that, that they tell them. Like I, when I hear you say that, like, oh, I wish I could have heard that from certain people. And not that I didn't from everybody. There were people that I did hear it from. Um, what else would you recommend? Are there other, other things that if you're receiving this message from, from a daughter, from a son, uh, what other ways to react would be healthy versus unhealthy? Uh, anything that demonstrates trust. Like, I trust you in your decision for your life. Like, I, I trust that you're doing what you think is best for you. I trust you. And expressing love. The, the worst, the don'ts are don't start preaching. Don't start quoting scripture. Don't say you've ruined our eternal family. Don't say, uh, you know, I've, d- I've done a, some blog posts on what not to say when a family member leaves the church and what to say instead. And vice versa, what if you, yeah. you know, what not to say to believing family members. Um, so there are lots of things that people say that are just not helpful. Don't quote scriptures. Don't preach. Express trust, love, and support. You don't have to support the decision, but you have to support the person if you want a relationship. Uh, how does that change within your own marriage? When, when my spouse comes to me to tell me that he's learned things that he, he doesn't believe. And, you know, I feel like within the marriage, 
you want answers. You want to find out those questions and you want, you're hurt. And, right. and so, so talk to us a little bit about that. Cause there, there are those out there that are listening that are keeping it a secret from their spouse for fear of what will happen when they do. Yeah. Well, your spouse will likely feel betrayed and sad and confused. And that's part of, that's just part of the deal. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't protect them from that, those feelings. So I think it's really important for both partners to recognize there's going to be a lot of different feelings and we have to practice holding all of those feelings in our relationship and not feeling like, well, so I'm a bad person because I hurt you or, you know, it's easy to kind of blame like you did this, right. you did this, but to be able to say, okay, we have to right now hold love and hold disappointment and hold anger and hold betrayal and hold commitment and kind of, wrap your arms around all of that and start sifting through it together. Um, it really challenges marriages because of the, the intensity of emotion that comes up. Mm-hmm. And so the better you get at processing that emotion in ways that's not shaming or blaming of each other, the more quickly you can kind of come to a resolution and come to some kind of kind of reach more stability again. You mentioned we'll we'll link your both of your articles um, in the show notes here that you just re- referenced. But what about the don'ts? I've done thousands of hours of research. I'm ready to talk to my mom, my dad. I go to them or my spouse. What are some don'ts that that jump off the page that isn't in front of you right now? But what are what are some of the don'ts? So don't hand them the CES letter. Don't don't start going through the list of Joseph Smith's flaws. And don't, you know, don't try to deconvert them. It's like so many people who leave the church actually don't leave the church because they become a proselyting missionary for people to leave the church, which is the same thing as people do in the church that they hate. So don't try to change anybody else's mind, just like you don't want them to try to change your mind. And that's really hard when you've learned this stuff and you're passionate about it. And you're like, Oh my gosh, I want to enlighten everybody about this, you know, what I've, uh, what I've learned. And, and you just, that's just not your job. Everybody's on their own journey and you have to, to respect everyone's journey. And not everybody cares about all the things you've learned. You know, yeah. Not everybody, it's it's like not that important to a lot of people. So recognizing everybody has their own journey and you know if someone sincerely says I really do want to hear more about what you found that's different than you just kind of saying let me tell you about the history that's problematic or I mean Alan <laughs> wrote to me this letter that's I don't know how many pages is it now it's like 110 pages and it's all to tell me everything he found that is wrong that he feels like is is difficult for him because to me I I didn't I couldn't understand or wrap my head around like it wasn't like one big thing but he kept saying, oh no, but it's, you know, a hundred things together. Yeah. So he wrote this for me and every time he tried to give it to me, I was like, no, I don't, I don't want to know. I don't, I'm upset. This, this is not something that I care about. I just don't care. That's, that's like the big thing. So in a marriage, like how do you balance wanting to know and, 
and not caring about some of the stuff they want to share with you? How do you do that? How do you handle, like, how much do you ask for and how much do you just say, I don't care? Yeah. And I think that just really depends on where you are and recognize that the person who's leaving or who's left, they want to justify their choice to you. They want to explain, they want you to understand. And so if you recognize that that's where they're coming from, you may not need all that information to understand. So that's up to you as the believer to decide what I, what I want to know, how much I want to know. Um, but a lot of times people get caught up in the content Mm -hmm. of sharing facts and different things, but really intimacy is sharing emotion, Mm. not sharing facts. Mm -hmm. So being able to, to talk about, you know, I feel so sad knowing that I'm hurting you, Katie, Mm -hmm. or Katie saying, Alan, I can't imagine how hard it would be for you to, um, you know, to go through this alone. I'm so sorry that I, I wasn't there for you. Do, do you know what I'm saying? It's not about the facts. It's about like what's going on in your hearts, being able to validate and share your feelings and validate the other person. That's really, in, that's what intimacy is. And too often couples in your situation get caught up in talking about the facts and how much we should talk about that really shift the focus to talking about feelings. How are you feeling about this? Gosh, I'm feeling betrayed. I'm feeling sad right now and listen, be able to listen and hold that. That's a great point. I think a lot of, a lot of the breakthroughs we've had is when, when you focus on the emotion, you realize you're both feeling a lot of the same emotions for some of those moments for very different reasons like going to church is really difficult for me. And, and this is why, and this is how I feel when I'm there. And Katie's able to share back. I, it's really hard for me too. And this is why I feel alone when I'm there. And I feel like everyone's looking at me. I'm like, me too. So it's for very different reasons. We, we can mm-hmm. share that, that same emotion. So it's, there's kind of a gift in the pain sometimes. So, okay. And I'm, and now I'm thinking of um, spouses who they literally can't share their emotion because their spouse doesn't want to talk about it, doesn't want to have to hear about how they're feeling. They want them to just go on as normal. Mm-hmm. And so you have these, these people who are hurting, you know, and, and so they'll turn to, what are some positive ways to cope when you cannot talk to your spouse about, about these emotions or feelings? I, I would say talk to a therapist Mm -hmm. because there are bigger problems probably than just not being able to talk about this. So if your spouse is totally shut down to your experience and your feelings, that's a whole different issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then it's not just about, church or leaving the church right there's something in the marriage going on right if they're not able to open up to you Mm -hmm. and allow themselves to be vulnerable there's there's something else going on choosing a choosing a therapist is something maybe we could talk about for just a second because a lot of the people that are um that have transitioned away their their thoughts and we've heard a number of people tell us this is I cannot go to a fully believing LDS uh, therapist because they're going to try to get me to go back. And sometimes that actually does happen. They're going to be treated as one that needs to, needs to provide more 
do more of the compromising than, than their spouse. But then the spouse is saying like, no, it, it's got to be someone that understands this. They have to understand how big of a deal this is. Right. Um, I think we're talking to the right person because you get it. But what would you say to either spouse in that situation? Like, how do you choose where to go? So a, a really skilled therapist is not going to put their values or religious beliefs on either of you. Mm. They'll be able to hold both points of views as equally valued and equally legitimate. If you're working with a therapist who's not be able to do that, then it's probably the wrong therapist if they take sides. Because in working with couples, I mean, not everybody is who's a good individual therapist is good with couples, just in general about any right, issues. Right. So you want to make sure you go to somebody who's skilled in working with couples who are having conflict. So that's really important, um, probably more important than what their religious background is. That's it's, good to know. Yeah, you want to get a really good therapist because they're going to be able to do that well, no matter what, whether they're believing or, or they've left the church or they are, you know, of another faith or whatever they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, this question wasn't a setup to promote your, your own group, but I would imagine <laughs> that, that you have a group of therapists that, that fit that description, I would imagine. Right, right. We work a lot with faith transitions and a lot with couples dealing with this and families dealing with, with faith transitions. Great. Yeah. So, I mean, drjuliehanks.com, right. They can, if therapy yeah. is, is one for, that they want to go to. For therapy, it's wasatchfamilytherapy.com. Perfect. Okay. Well, I do, I do coaching with couples right mm-hmm. now. I'm not actually doing therapy. And so that's at drjuliehanks.com. Wonderful. Great. And we've talked to and about Natasha Helfer Parker mm-hmm. on this podcast as well. Mm-hmm. So there's, there are some really good resources out there. So yes, definitely. Yep. Uh, okay. So another question kind of going back to talking with your spouse, even when Alan and I would talk, I like mentally and emotionally like was just unavailable because I was dealing with my own emotions and, and it was hard. And especially when he was in his angry phase, which there's an angry phase when he was in his angry phase, um, it was so difficult to, to just even listen because there was so much anger there and people can deal with it in different ways. What are some positive ways that people can deal with their anger and what are some outlets that they can, that will help them. So as the believing spouse dealing with the the leaving spouse's anger, here's the thing. You don't have to listen to it all the time. You can set boundaries and say, you know what? I don't have it in me to hear this right now, or I'm not interested in having this conversation right now. You need to go talk to somebody else or I, I don't have the energy or whatever. You can set those boundaries. And sometimes we think, Oh, well, a good, wife or a good husband is always there. No, you have to protect yourself too and your emotional reserves. Mm-hmm. So it's okay to say, I'm not up for this conversation. Can't, can't do it. Let's and then for Alan, where does he go to release that? He goes to Facebook groups or he goes <laughs> to, let's see, um, Reddit or. <laughs> no, I think this is good because I think that this is like, 
I, I think most people get so, I was scared of him being on the ex Mormon subreddit so much. And I was afraid of him joining groups that would just val further validate what he was feeling that, that caused a lot of concern for me. And then it wasn't after till I realized, no, they were there for him when I couldn't be. Right. And so I think it's important that you said that because I think people just get stuck in this mindset that it's, that's not a good place for them to go. Right. And sometimes it's not like sometimes sure. it can, right. Sometimes it can just fuel the fire and you yeah. just stay in it longer, but it's all, and it's also a really good place to get validation when your spouse can't because they're not coming from the same point of view. Mm -hmm. So they, they can't really give you the same kind of validation as like, yeah, I totally agree with you. They're not going to say that because yeah. they don't agree with you. Right. right. For, um, for those that are listening that are newer to this mixed faith journey, just so you know, if you're the spouse who is, who is quote in and your spouse is transitioning away and they're, it's scary because they're on ex-Mormon subreddit and they're in some Facebook groups, those things can serve their purpose, but they kind of go away. And, and for me, they don't serve a purpose for me anymore. Mm -hmm. They, they did for a time. And I, even at the time I would see certain things and just roll my eyes and say, okay, that's a little bit overboard, but uh, I don't really go on to ex-Mormon subreddit anymore. I unfollowed most of my post-Mormon Facebook groups. I still, go, I would go on them every so often just to see what's going on. And also it's like, they were such a, such a source of support for me that now when I go on them, I'm trying to be a source of support for those that are just finding themselves in this situation. Uh, that's, it's kind of the, what the podcast is. It, it started as, we need this. We need to hit record and talk about it. And now it's like, we've talked about it a lot and we're still doing it because we want other people that are in the situation to have someone there to help support them. Anyway, so hopefully that's a little bit of ray of hope for, for those that are listening that are just entering into this. So on this family topic, the psychology behind a lot of this communication uh, can be can be complicated. It can be even frustrating when you, when you see it happening. Uh, maybe a family member has expressed that without them knowing how you were feeling that, that there was some troubling aspect. And let's just say it's LGBT issues that okay. at some point in the past, a family member has said LGBTQ issues are very difficult for me. So two years later, I'm experiencing a faith crisis. I go to that member uh, of the family. And I, and I expressed to them, I'm having a lot of issues. I, I no longer believe in the church and, you know, LGBT issues are one of them. And their reaction is big backfire effect. Mm. Just like, hold on a second, calm down. Can you talk to us a little bit about the brain and what's going on there? Uh, Cause I think that can help people understand how to approach a conversation rather than just go full bore on blasting them with issues. Right. Well, what that does is it puts up people's defenses and it kind of activates the fight or flight. So they're going to fight you instead of being calm and being able to receive what you're saying. So whenever you attack someone or give them information that feels attacking, they're going into survival mode, which is not the place you want to have deep, meaningful conversations. Right. It usually become, you know, becomes a fight or someone shuts down. And so you want to um, be gentle when you're talking about difficult information, mm -hmm. allow room for them to have a different point of view. 
and kind of um, make sure the relationship can tolerate it. So there's some people that you're not going to want to go into detail with. You just don't care enough about them. But there's some people you really want, you long for them to understand where you're coming from. And so those are the people that you want to make sure the relationship is strong enough to withstand kind of this. It feels like a betrayal to a lot of people. It feels right. disappointing. It feels scary. It feels frightening. And so you want to make sure that you uh, present it with a soft start, like <laughs> You don't just come at them guns blazing. Guess what I learned, you know? Yeah. Because the defenses will come up and they'll, they'll go into fight or flight. When I learned this, this is how I felt. I'm really struggling with. Mm-hmm. I'm really worried about uh, using that kind of mm-hmm. me, me, I language. It has proven a lot more, quote, successful or less harmful, I should say, than this is why it's wrong. And I can't support someone or a church that, that said this or did this. Yeah. It's, it's more pushing against something than it is saying, this is hard for me. This is my experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I call that staying on your side of the court, like in a tennis mm. match. Stay on your side. Don't go and whack the other person over the head. Like stay on, this is my experience. This is what I've seen. This is how I feel about it. So you're totally on track with that. Uh, too often people who leave start becoming just as dogmatic as, right. as Orthodox members of the church. Like, well, now this is the truth. This is the actual truth. This is where it's, it's all up. It's still all up for debate, right? It's, right. It's point of view. It's, it's, you can come with to different conclusions with the same information. So you, be sure that you don't present it as like, no, this is, this is the truth. Because yeah. that's just the same thing that the other side does. Yeah. And before before the spouse that is still in the church points at their spouse listening and says, see, you need to change this. I, I can absolutely empathize with, with that initial reaction of like, oh my gosh, for 35 years, I thought I had it figured out. And now I don't. And I realize I was wrong and I have to go and tell everybody. Like I, I yeah. absolutely get it. Just hopefully this kind of message from a a licensed professional helps you recognize the quicker I can get through that phase of, I have to be right and show everyone that I am right. Mm -hmm. The easier it's going to be. Yeah. Some of that is wanting to undo what you've done. Like, Oh my gosh, I taught people this and I, and now I don't believe it. I've got to undo this. I've got to make it right. So there's, there's kind of this, nobility to it too it's not just needing to be right but it's wanting to make things right that that isn't always helpful yeah right and it's something that we all do so i'm i'm just thinking about like families and i think one of the hardest things is is definitely having like a whole family that's totally in an extended family that's totally in and and, uh, and, and then, you know, having to deal with some of that backlash and just, I would love to know, like in your experience, what have you found over time has helped the families cope better with, with, you know, this person leaving or being out? The, the believing spouse coming to terms with it is going to be what, the family takes their cue. They're going to take their cues from that person. Mm. Right. So if you're like, yeah, this is, this is our new reality. This is, this is what's happened. 
and you have processed it and have dealt with it, they're going to take their cues from you. If you're upset all the time and talking to them about it, they're going to take their cue from you. So the, and it's not, I mean, it takes the time that it takes to process to get to that point, but just, you know, people are going to take their cues from you. And the more you can do your own work to come to terms with, this is our new normal, the easier it's going to be for your extended family, believing family to, to accept if you model acceptance. So in the case where the spouse is, is extremely at peace or come to terms with where they're at, but they haven't really communicated that back to their family. Mm. Like, I think there, there can be hesitancy and we've heard from a few people, there can be hesitancy to like, my parents still look at me as, as this stalwart member of the church. And if I go to them and say like, no, he's not broken or she's not broken. He's on his own journey. She's on his own journey, basically admitting and accepting the fact that no, I don't believe I'm not going to be with him or her after this life. Mm-hmm. They'll be tainted somehow in their loved one's eyes. Is there, is there anything you can yeah. say about that? <laughs> yeah. So this is actually a developmental issue Part of becoming a full-fledged adult is being willing to tolerate other people's disapproval, including parents. Mm -hmm. And being able to say, that's okay if you see me differently. I'm still who I am. And being able to be strong in your sense of self. So it's actually developmentally a really um, good practicing ground for that to be to be able to say, look, this is where I am. I know it's not the same as you. This is how I feel. And I'm okay if you're disappointed. Mm, I'm okay if you're disappointed. I, that's a hard phrase to say because I think especially us as women in the church, we're people pleasers and right. we are to our to everyone around us. That's a very difficult thing to say. But it's, it's part of growing up. It's yeah. part of claiming your life, claiming your marriage, claiming your family as your own, that you don't exist to please your parents anymore. Mm, right. To please the leaders or to please whoever. You, you have ownership over your life. Let's talk about boundaries really quick. So not in the marriage, but specifically with family. So let's, mm. under the situation, for example, where you tell your parents and your parents go to your spouse who's still in and say, we will look, we'll support you if you need to, if you need to leave, or he must be cheating on you or they, they cross some boundary. Talk to us a little bit about creating boundaries and what a healthy way to do that with, with a lot of love for family is if, if it needs to happen of look, if you want a relationship with us, these are some ground rules. Uh, what's, what's kind of the best way to identify when that needs to happen and how do you do it? So if, if a family member is putting down your spouse, saying negative things about your spouse, it's, it is your job to say, this is not okay with me. I know you love me. I know you're concerned about me, I, but this is not okay. And I will not hear this right now. So it's okay to set really clear, simple boundaries. Never let someone talk bad about your spouse 
in front of you. One thing that I think is good too is if they have questions and are asking questions of the believing spouse, well, well, what is, you know, what does he say or what does she say about blah, 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 or direct them to the, to talk directly to the spouse. Well, why don't you ask her about it? Why don't you ask him about it and not be the middle person? So that's a boundary that you can set as well. And if you decide in your home that you're changing things up as far as how you're going to balance church service and your Sundays and, and you're going to create something that you feel is good for your family, but then your kids go to your parents' house on the weekend and all of a sudden they're having Bible camp. Like, how do you set your, those boundaries with your own children and their grandparents or aunts or uncles? What do you say? So the, tell me again, the kids are doing what at the grandparents? So, so say I, I had a friend tell me that, that her parents watched the kids. And when she got back, it felt like they had been at Bible camp all week because oh, the parents had just really videos, wanted they, to really wanted to have to bring, make sure that they stay in the fold. Right. Okay. I think it's totally in your realm of responsibility to say, look, I want you to have a relationship with our kids that's not based on the church. Mm-hmm. Like, so that's, you know, we want you to have a relationship. We want you to have fun, but your job is not to teach them the gospel. That's, that will be my job. So lay off on that. I just am like thinking it over in my head, how that would go. <laughs> it just... Well, I mean, again, yeah. it's part of, it's part of growing up is claiming yeah your power and saying, look, I'm the parent. You don't need to parent my children. You need to be the fun grandparent where they go and, you know, eat lots of candy and go out to eat. Pressure's off. You get to be, you get to be fun with them. Yeah. You're not the parent and you don't have to parent. (laughs) I like that. Well, Julie, thank you so much. Um, I know this was kind of a shotgun topic that we, that we ran through in about 30 minutes. But thank you so much, and thank you, everybody, for, for listening. Make sure that you keep uh, listening and keep an eye out for an ear out, more likely, uh, for part two, which we'll be talking about some issues uh, or how to handle s- certain things in a mixed-faith marriage with children, specifically teenage children. A lot of people have, have asked, and we're looking forward to that discussion as well. Thank you, Julie. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to see that it was better that we grew up together. Tell me you don't want to leave Cause if change is what you need You can change right next to me When you're high, I'll take the lows You can ebb and I can flow We'll take it slow And grow as we go Sweet.